It's good to see y'all in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, be turning to Galatians, the first chapter. Galatians, the first chapter. Now, while you're turning there, I want to kind of back up just a little bit here to last week, because last week we were in the third chapter of the Gospel of John. And we talked about that third uh, verse 16, uh, the probably the most quoted verse of Scripture in the Bible, the most well-known verse in the Bible. And what I want to say about that is this. The greatest good news ever proclaimed is the good news or the best news, which is eternal life. You know, life changing the truth. That verse says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him. Now I want to stop right there. Remember last week we talked about that word believe. It means to trust, to have faith in. And, and what I want you to see about that word belief and how that pertains to everlasting life is that that means to have total confidence in Jesus Christ, to, to have confidence in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, knowing that we can have eternal life through Him. But it says that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I made the statement to y'all last week that you could take that one verse, and that's, that's the whole entire gospel of Jesus Christ in that one verse. But the Bible goes on to say, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase this verse, in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 through 4, and this is the basic of the gospel which remains forever unchanged. Just like John 3.16, 1 Corinthians 15.3 and 4, paraphrasing, says that Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. So the way to eternal life, the way to be saved is clear. Matter of fact, we can go on. Let's go to Romans in the 10th chapter, verse 9. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So given all of that wonderful news, and that's just three particular verses that, that I've talked about, but giving all that wonderful truth, how can you not tell others? That's my question to you today. How can you not tell others? How can you not share how important being saved and having eternal life is? Now I want to ask you a question. I want to use the word evangelist, evangelism. Have you ever thought of yourself as an evangelist? Have you ever thought of yourself as an ambassador of Jesus Christ? Now, a lot of times when you bring up that word evangelism, people say, wait a minute, preacher. I'm not an evangelist, nor am I. But let me tell you something. 
You are called by God to tell the good news. That involves grasping the fundamental elements of the gospel and communicating them clearly to others. Now, I hope and pray that we as believers take our task to give away the gospel very seriously. Now, I want to show you something here in the first chapter of Galatians. Because Paul had went to the church in Galatia, or he had went to Galatia, and he had preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Based on what we've been talking about, those three verses that we have been talking about, but there was trouble in paradise. Things were not going the way Paul wanted them to go, and he was somewhat disturbed. So look in, in Galatians, the first chapter, and I want you to look in verse 6. Y'all got it? Amen? Amen. I marvel that ye are so soon removed. That word removed means turning away from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. That word another there means a different gospel. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert or want to that word would is want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That word accursed there means eternally condemned. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that ye have, that ye have received, let him be accursed. Let's keep our Bibles open right there to Galatians and let me preach a very simple title sermon to you today. And that simple title is The Message. The Message. Now, here what we see, and let me kind of explain what's going on. Here we see Paul waging a life and death battle for Christianity because the stakes were of monumental proportion. The future of Christianity lay in the battle, in the balance. And I, I saw something this week that somewhat troubled me. And I don't know if y'all saw it or not. And I guess I should have read the story. But on my handy dandy fancy little phone, I go on, 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 on Google. You know, Michael, you're always telling me to Google everything. And I go on to Google and I go to Fox News. And, and I scroll through Fox News and it's got the headlines. And, and I read this headline and it said that Americans are leaving Christianity. And I wondered about that. And I should have read the story, but I didn't. But I just read that and I went, for what? Well, what are they running to? What, what do they think that they're going to get their hands on that's going to be better 
than, than Christianity. But that somewhat troubled me. But what we see here is on his first missionary journey, Paul went to Galatians. He preached the, the gospel there. And many of the Gentiles there responded to 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 uh, Christ by trusting Christ. But then something happened. And this is what stirred Paul up. And this is what I want you to understand this morning, folks, because I've already asked you and talked to you about being evangelists or being ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Then some Jewish Christians came in behind Paul. They were teachers, and they started confusing. They started upsetting these new believers with teaching contrary to the gospel that Paul had preached. And what these false teachers were saying was, and this is how they were winning over some of these new believers, was uh, to their point of view, these, this, this, and this defection from Christianity by the Galatians, uh, from Paul's teaching about Christ, alarmed him. And you see that in, in those verses that we read. Paul is somewhat agitated. He is somewhat alarmed. He has a certain amount of, of anxiety. And you can see it if you've got your Bible open. You know, normally Paul gives kind of a lengthy introduction at the beginning of his letter to someone. You notice here, if you go up there to the first, first verse of, of Galatians there in chapter 1, you will see that his, his uh, uh, introduction is very brief. And the reason for that was because Paul was upset and he wanted to get right to the heart of the matter. He, he wrote to defend his apostleship, but that was not his primary person, purpose in writing this letter, not whatsoever. Uh, he was defending the gospel that he had preached to the Galatians and, and, and he continued to announce that same message every opportunity he got. You know, everywhere Paul went, he preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, and you know, what Paul's message was, that basics that we've been talking about, was that through faith in Christ, People are saved by God's grace, period. Nothing more, nothing less. Salvation comes by, by faith through grace alone. Now, these Jewish Christians, these teachers who, who were following Paul's trail, following Paul's steps, thought that faith in Christ was well and good. That's what they thought. They thought it, it was necessary, but their point was it didn't go far enough. What they thought was that faith, and this is what they maintained, was partial. In other words, faith was one step in a two-step process. They maintained that Gentiles also needed to become Jews to be Christians. That's what they were preaching. Now, I want you to think about that. These teachers insisted that these Gentile converts keep all the Jewish laws. Now, let me just stop here and interject something. I'm not saying that's what we're going to see in our day and in our age. 
But when people start saying, yeah, faith is one thing, but there's something else you need to do, beware. Beware. And I'm going to show you that here in just a minute. Now, Paul was amazed that, that his readers were so quickly turning away from, from him who called them by the grace of Christ. And he continued that way. He, he continued to be astonished at these believers' def defection from the, the, uh, the, the true gospel. Matter of fact, you can say that he was just astounded. That, that he was absolutely flabbergasted. He was almost speechless in his surprise and his dismay. And, and the thing that amazed Paul about it was, was how fast it happened. How quickly it had occurred. You know, and when, when Paul says, I can't believe how fast y'all did this. He, he could either be saying, meaning so soon after they became Christians, or so soon after they heard these false teachers. Either either way, these believers were turning away from, they were deserting the truth Paul preached. They were in the process of, of transferring their loyalty, if you will. Their, their defection, however, was not complete. And Paul wanted to stop this as quickly as he can, could. He, he wanted to stop this in its tracks. God had called these Galatians to salvation. Just like now, the same way that God calls us, you know, God calls people to do what? He calls people to redemption. And then God calls them to places of service for Him. Now, you may be sitting there thinking to yourself, well, preacher, you, you just don't know. I, I, I'm not much use. To, to Jesus Christ in any shape, form, or fashion. Baloney. That's what I have to say to you. Baloney. God doesn't need your ability. God needs your availability. You allow God to use you and see what can happen. So, Paul emphasized God's call is the salvation by the grace of Christ. How many of y'all know what grace is? Grace is love in action. What grace is, is God's genuine kindness. That is the basis of salvation. Not one self-religious self morality. We can do nothing. I've said this before. We can do nothing to save ourselves. No way, no how. God's amazing grace makes salvation a reality for those that come to Christ in faith. So what these Galatian believers were doing, they were turning from that. They were turning from the true gospel. And you notice Paul says to a different, did you see it in there? To a different gospel. That word does not convey the idea of a difference in Ephesus or spirit. The term means another of a completely different kind. These Jewish teachers were not 
merely trying to bring some revised new version of what Paul had preached, but it was a complete reversal of what Paul had preached. Paul, Paul, you know, what he had preached, this, this different gospel that these false teachers was bringing was something that was foreign. It was an alien message to the truth about Christ and how a person receives forgiveness. Paul said, no other gospel exists. There's only one. There's only one gospel is valid, and that's the good news that Paul preached to the Galatians. So we see how upset Paul was. These, these false teachers troubled these, these new converts with a bogus counterfeit gospel that was not good news. And the reason I say it wasn't good news was because it, it was bad news of a return to the yoke of legalism. So it, it was a message advocating bondage, not freedom. So we see how these false teachers were stirring the pot up, how they were causing trouble. And, and, you know, they were attempting to twist the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel, into something different. That's what they wanted to accomplish. So what they were advocating was a perversion of the true gospel, you know, in Christ. And, and you know, Paul was just completely against this. He, he's, you know, Paul said that, that Christ is the content of, of, of the good news and he's the source of our good news. Why? Because he was willing to sacrifice his son, God, in that verse, you know, John 3, 16, we saw that he sacrificed his son and, and that's God's amazing grace. And, and these false teachers attempting to foster in this alien message, it got Paul all sorts of stirred up. He's mad. He's not a happy camper. So what he does is he refutes the claims of these false teachers by a hypothetical case to make his point in the strongest way possible. And you notice he says, what if he... Or, or some of his co-workers, or an angel from heaven preached a gospel other than what Paul proclaimed to the Galatians. What did he say? Anyone that doesn't preach the true gospel should be accursed. That's the word he used. Accursed. In other words, a curse on himself or on the angels if they preached anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. That word curse con conveys God's extreme disfavor. The word could have the force of something so intolerable that God would receive glory from its destruction. So Paul used it specifically of incurring God's wrath 
for perverting the gospel. But then you notice he didn't just say it once. For emphasis, he repeated that pronouncement of a curse and he broadened it to include anyone who preached a bogus gospel. Folks, I will stand before you today and I will look you in the eye and I would tell you that I would rather be struck dead right here, right now, than to misuse the Word of God. To mislead someone because of something that I say. That's what Paul is talking about. The wording suggests a switch from the hypothetical to what was really going on in this particular case. Paul wanted, and I should have read verse 10. Did I read verse 10? Y'all read verse 10. Y'all can read as good as I can. You will see that Paul wanted God's approval. He did not want people's of flattery. That's not what he was about. All right, y'all got verse 10 read? I should have read it. But let's go on. Look in verse 11. But I certify, that word certify make, means make known to you. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. After man is according to man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Did I read that right? For I, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, need to say it like that, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right, Michael caught that. He said, yeah, I've got you right where I want you. I busted the preacher. Now, I almost messed up right there. You see what I'm talking about? You see? I almost goofed right now. Now, what I want you to see in these verses is, we see these false teachers attack, attacking Paul's converts. And, and, and not just the converts, but Paul himself. And, and so what Paul does, he counterattacks by defending his apostleship. Now, did, did you look there real close in verse 11? I want you to look at the first statement in verse 11. Because Paul is basically saying, I want you to know. I want you to know. And that underlines what follows is of utmost importance. You know, we sometimes use that same term when we're arguing with someone. We say, well, I'll have you know. Especially when we think we're right and they're wrong. I'll have you know, and that's what Paul is saying. And you notice that he calls his readers brethren. In other words, brothers and sisters to emphasize his relationship with them in God's family. Now, here's what he stated. That the good news he preached was not of human origin. In other words, he's saying neither he or any other human being invented or concocted the gospel. No individual or rote group thought it up. No committee put it together, you know, pieced it together. 
Furthermore, Paul goes on to say, no human gave or taught Paul the gospel. He says, the risen Christ revealed it to him. Everything that Paul knew, and I'm sure he learned much about Christ's life, much about Christ's ministry, much about his death, much of his resurrection from the apostles. But the interpretation of those events came as a revelation from Christ to him. In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to sit there and preach or try to preach a different gospel from, from what the apostles had preached earlier. I'm not trying to do anything different. But it was given to me independently of them. So what he's saying is, brothers and sisters, I want you to have confidence. There's that word confidence. What did we say a while ago? Belief is to have confidence in. I want you to have confidence, believe, trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Proclaim it by God's authority. He commissions us as His believers to be His spokesperson. That's what I was talking about a while ago when we were using the word evangelist or when we used the word ambassadors. What does an ambassador of the United States government do? He speaks on behalf. That's what we do for Jesus Christ. All right, let's go now. I want you to flip to the third chapter. Y'all bear with me. I've been kind of, I'm not sick. I just can't talk all week. Somebody probably wants to say amen. But I haven't hardly been able to talk all week and I was just hoping I was going to be able to preach today. But we're going to get through this. All right, did y'all flip the page and go to the third chapter? Look in verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set, that word evidently is clearly set forth, crucified among you. This only would I or this only I want to learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith. Did you get that? Do you see that? Remember what these false teachers were preaching? They were wanting the, the Galatian believers to convert to Judaism? You know, be astute in all the Jewish law? And notice what Paul is asking him there. He said, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made or being perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth. That's hard for an old country boy from Salt Gap to say. That word means supplies. To you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by hearing of faith. Even as Abraham believed God, 
and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, heathen is nations, through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, And these shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Or that word faithful Abraham is believing Abraham. There's that word again. There's that word believing again that we've been talking about. Now, I want you to see the strong emotion that Paul used here. Oh, you foolish Galatians. In other words, Paul was kind of, you know, it's like I, I, might, I might not say it that way. When I want to line my wife out or my kids out, I'll say, what are you thinking? And that's what Paul is doing here. He's, he's saying, you know, and you say, well, why did he do that? Well, number one, he's mad. He's stirred up. And, you know, it's just like us when we get blunt. And that's what Paul wanted to do. He wanted to get blunt with his readers to get their undivided attention. Why? Because he valued them. So, and also, it expresses his indignation and concern. But then you notice what he does. After he's gone, what in the world are y'all thinking? He starts asking them questions. And he asked them three rhetorical questions. The first one, he says, who has hypnotized you? The word was bewitched. In other words, who, 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 you know, has put you under a spell or, or bewitched you? Now, Paul is kind of writing tongue in cheek here to express his, you know, being upset by these readers' defection from the true gospel. But this expression he used, he wanted to ask the Galatians, who was draining the new life in Christ right out of you? Because that's what these false teachers were trying to do. You know, in all of, all of Paul's preaching, and to the Galatians, to whoever he was preaching to, Paul preached Jesus and Jesus being crucified so vividly, so clearly that, that that's what you saw when he preached. And you notice the term there, evidently set forth. He uses that term. And what Paul preached was Christ's sacrificial atoning death so plainly that whoever he preached to literally saw him with their own eyes and, and believed the message about him. So you say, okay, well, what has that got to do with us? Well, the truth of what Paul was saying to us is that the content of all of our preaching, of all of our witnessing to unbelievers must be what? Jesus and Him crucified. 
But then he asked another question. He says, how did y'all receive the Spirit? In other words, how did they become Christians? Paul knew the answer and so did they. They received the Spirit by what? Hearing the faith. Is there a law written out there that makes you a Christian? No. You don't receive salvation by adhering to some law. You receive it by hearing with faith. So, you know, that tells us that salvation is a gift from God. It is God's gift of grace to each and every one of us from any moral or spiritual work the, the, these believers or we today do to earn salvation. Hearing with faith, understand this conveys the idea of believing the gospel and committing one's life to Christ. That's what it is. So, what Paul was saying is, if y'all will just take a minute and think about this and look this deal over, go back. Think about when you first believed. As Jesus as Savior, they would see the falseness of this counterfeit gospel toward which some of them were leaning. But he doesn't stop there. He has to ask them another question. Again, telling these believers, he said, y'all are not thinking here. Y'all are not thinking here. You're completely missing this. When they placed their faith in Christ, they received the Spirit. And the Spirit continued to empower them in their daily living. Would they now be made complete by the flesh? No. By works of the law? You see, these false teachers contended that faith in Christ was only the first step toward God's acceptance. That's what they were trying to accomplish. God further required works of the law to complete their salvation. So that's the reason Paul asked this third question. He, he stated that salvation is what? By faith through or by grace through faith. Legalism doesn't have anything to do with it. Keeping the law has nothing to do with it. But then he don't stop there. He asks another question. And it's about their experience as Christians. And Paul was holding on to the hope that these believers had not suffered for nothing. This situation in Galatia, it was critical. It was dire. It was of utmost importance, and that's the reason Paul is so upset about it. He wanted to Barney Fife it. In other words, he wanted to nip it in the bud, but continuing with this rapid-fire questioning that, that he is doing, these thought-provoking questions, Paul pointed out how God had abundantly supplied these readers, as well as us today, with the Spirit and worked miracles among them. And he says, 
How do you think that happened? Do you think it happened because of the law? Or did it happen because you heard and responded to the gospel with faith? Then Paul knew it. Just like these believers knew it. The answer was obvious. When the Galatians believers believed, they received the Spirit. They experienced God's miraculous workings on their behalf. So what did they need to do? They needed to get back to the basics. They needed to go back where they had started from to faith in Christ alone. All right. Now I'm going to stop preaching and I'm going to go to meddling. I used to get accused of that all the time, so I'm not going to change now. I want you to listen to me. Today there are people, as God is my witness, there are some people that depend on good works for a favorable verdict on their day of judgment before God. If you don't get anything else, you get this. When asked about their eternal destiny, for those that were here last week, y'all remember the little story I told you of, of, of the old man asking the young man. And he says, and then what? Well, that's what I want you to see today. And then what? People look for their good works to get a favorable verdict. So when asked about their eternal destiny, they say they hope when their lives accounts book are tallied up that the good things that they have done far outweigh the bad things that they have done. They hope that they come out ahead, even if just by a scooch, just barely. I want you to understand that their hope is really wishful thinking. That's all it is. For only faith in Christ brings salvation. So here's the answer. You know, I talk to people all the time. And a lot of times the first thing that they want to tell me is, well... I hope I can be good enough. Where does the Bible say that? I, I hope I can be good enough that I'll make it. Let me tell you something. To seek right standing with God through good works rather than the way of grace through faith is a fatal error. It is a fatal error. So what do we need to do? Just like Paul was consistent in his preaching, the good news that we give away when we start talking to someone we need to be consistent. 
And that is that Christ responds favorably to all people who respond to Him through faith in Christ. It's God's gift of grace to each one of us. Folks, that is our message. That is what we're to do. We're not to sit idly by and listen to people say, well, I hope I'm good enough. Say there's a better way. There's a much better way. It's through faith by grace. Then you don't have to worry about it. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank You for Your love, Your mercy, Your grace. Certainly, Father, we thank You for the opportunity to be in Your house today. And though we're few in number, Father, we just thank You so much that we've got this place that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and hear Your Word proclaimed. And Father, today we've been challenged to understand that we're Your ambassadors, that we're Your spokesperson, that there is a very clear message that we need to be delivering. Father, help us go out and be true ambassadors for You. Be able to witness people. Be able to talk to people. Be able to tell people how important having a relationship with You is. Father, just thank You for loving us. Certainly we ask You to forgive us where we fail You. Father, just help us each time we stumble and fall to get up and just try harder to do better. Father, I want to pray for the folks that are not with us today for whatever reason. There's certainly a lot of sickness going around, Father. We just lift all of our folks that we've got on our prayer list up to You. All the different issues, Father. There's needs of all sorts there. And we just ask You meet those needs. Father, we thank You for blessing us the way You do, the rain that You have sent. And Father, we continue to ask that You bless us that way because only You can provide rain for us. So Father, just watch over us and care for us. Guide and direct us. Continue to protect us in this very challenging time we live. And help us glorify and praise Your holy name. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen.